Well, time goes by quickly, doesn't it? <clears throat> we had a board meeting at uh, Hope Christian School this last week to uh, announce that uh, Hope Christian School is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year. Can you believe that? That Christian school that started right here in a prayer meeting when uh, Wayne Alert stood up and said, I just want to teach kids in a school where they're safe and we can teach them their faith. It was this very simple vision from a shop teacher. And now Hope Christian School that has literally taught thousands of kids and has graduates all over the world. <clears throat> but time passes uh, so quickly. And uh, Ginger and I are thinking back now. Uh, we were ordained right here in this church the first time 40 years ago for pastoral ministry. And a few of you were probably at that service. But uh, uh, the last uh, 25 years, we've been serving with uh, Foursquare, which we're so grateful. And then here a few years ago, God put it all together, brought us back here, brought, Four, brought Faith Chapel in, back into Foursquare, or into Foursquare, really, for the first time. And uh, we look back and say, my time has passed. I was at my barber this last week, <clears throat> and he was cutting my hair. And we were reminiscing about how long he's been cutting my hair. I first went to his uh, shop when I was just a boy, and he said, I think it's been over 50 years I've been cutting your hair. And I said, yeah, I think that's right. He says, I don't know what's more amazing, that I've been cutting your hair for over 50 years, or you're still getting the same haircut. <laughs> but anyway, you have a moment there where you realize that uh, time uh, continues to pass on. And you begin to think about, uh, think about eternal things and how God is preparing us for the future. Uh, Ginger and I are honored that our daughter Jamie and her husband Russ are leading the service today and being ordained uh, this morning. Uh, and I think about the 40, 50 years of ministry that are ahead for them. How wonderful it is. Well, I want Ginger to come up and join me, and Glenn's going to uh, present us an award, I understand. And uh, what an honor it is <clears throat> to receive this uh, this morning. <clears throat> Good morning, everybody. Uh, this truly is a, a, a pleasure and a joy for us. And I was just thinking, you know, you mentioned Foursquare. Yes. There may be some folks here that uh, I see some college students here wondering, let's see, I thought that was either a game that you played with a ball <laughs> or it's something now, kind of a media thing, isn't it? Isn't there a Foursquare? There is. Well, the name of our organization happens to be the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. And those of you that are here from college, you can ask Russ and Jamie to you know, extrapolate that for you, and they'll tell you all about that. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah, right, right. Well, I just had a question as we're here to recognize. You know, When you went into ministry, did you kind of go into it because you thought, I'd like the recognition of what, it, what ministry does? Of course. Did you? <laughs> but we, no. know, we know better than that. And we know that any time that we begin to serve the Lord or just choose to serve the Lord, it'll... it'll usually never be because of, of recognition. But what happens is, as you're faithful, as this couple has been, as leaders and as pastors, recognition comes. And I, I can say, uh, and I think it's fitting this morning that we're here with your congregation, I can say that across Foursquare, you folks are recognized as some very, very fine leaders and pastors. And so 
I, I'm glad to be here. And so this morning I'm going to read a letter from our corporate, corporate secretary. Dear Dr. Hedges, we're thankful to the Lord for you and your years of faithful service, Dr. and Mrs. Hedges, because you've been the, 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 the neck that moves ahead, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what a blessing uh, you have been to the Foursquare Church. And I would say, amen. What a blessing you've been to the Foursquare Church and to the many individuals to whom you have ministered over the past 25 years. I've enclosed a certificate and a pen that commemorate uh, the faithfulness you have uh, demonstrated in your years of ministry. It is only a small expression of our appreciation for your lifetime of service. I know that the many people you have touched would add their affirmation to the honor you have received. Again, thank you for your service to God's kingdom and to the Foursquare Church. May the Lord continue to reward your faithfulness with remarkable uh, fruitfulness, serving together, Sterling Brackett, Corporate Secretary. And so we have this morning, uh, this is a very small pen. I wish it was about four times larger, you know, so people would wrecking, oh, hey, that's really a big pin for all of your years in service. And I'll just, I'll just leave it here in the case and, and let you uh, open it. But it, does, it, it has a Foursquare four symbol on it. Thank and you. Uh, we hope you'll put that on your lapel. Absolutely. We should have had two of them. Appreciate Maybe you can that. put a little chain on it that goes over to you, something <laughs> like that. But uh, anyway, this, uh, this is the plaque that, uh, that we're pleased to present to the Hedges. And I just want to go ahead and read it here. The Foursquare Church, worthy of honor, uh, Dr. Daniel Joseph Hedges. Well, they really got you out of the That's Old Testament. There, didn't they? Yeah. It's my, both my grandfathers, Daniel and Joseph. So that's uh, why I, I got see. that name. Yeah. You really didn't stand a chance. Did I you? didn't have a chance. <laughs> we give thanks to God always for you all, remembering without ceasing your word of faith, your labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's from 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 3. Uh, on this silver anniversary of your entry into the ministry of the Foursquare Gospel, we celebrate your abiding commitment and fidelity to the truth as it is in Jesus, to the life you manifest as his servant, and to the love you have shown to the people of God in deep appreciation presented on this eighth day of November in the year of our Lord, 2015, by Glenn C. Burris, our corporate president. And this is where it's our pleasure this morning to present this to the Hedges on behalf of the Foursquare Gospel Church. Thank you. You can take that. Okay. Yes, and that uh, <clears throat> that sets us straight for the next 25 years. Okay. Are you with us? Amen. Oh, good. We, you, brought, you may have noticed this morning that there's evidence of uh, youth ministry with our uh, Young Life uh, <clears throat> uh, signs. And uh, we have recently opened uh, our church and asked Young Life to just make themselves at home. And so we've got high school meetings on a Monday night and then Young Life College and the mission with Russ and Jamie on Tuesday nights. And isn't it wonderful that we've been praying for years for youth ministry and now we have this special partnership you may not have known this but ginger and i started out in youth ministry in young life uh, helping ross hale start a, uh, a, a club in rio grande high school which was a real step of faith for us and a real breakthrough and we maintained relationships all these years we went to a banquet here this last uh, week and ross hale who used to be a member of faith chapel was at that banquet 
And he and he and Marcia, his wife, send greetings to all of you, and they want to come and visit us one of these days. And so it'll be good to see them. But Russ is going to bring us a little update about uh, Young Life and the mission. Right. Well, not because they're my in-laws, but do, don't we appreciate our, our pastors really seriously? It's pretty. I remember uh, when they were in, uh, being installed here and Jamie and I flew out. First of all, it was April the 12th. That was my birthday because I remember. And it was snowing. Okay. And I am from Arkansas and I was wearing shorts and a T-shirt. And my wife didn't warn me that the climate was different here. But I remember that Sunday specifically, uh, I remember the way that it felt when we walked in the door, and, we, and it really felt like home. And we had, um, we had not really decided that that's what, what God had for us, but he decided on that day, really, that, uh, that we were to come. We were to come to Albuquerque and, and, uh, and make it our home. And so just, man, it's a special, special day. It's a special day to be with you guys. And uh, just want to give you guys an update of, of what's been going on. Can you believe that the mission UNM is in its seventh year of ministry at uh, the University of New Mexico? In 09, we came to you guys with this crazy idea to get this house, and you guys supported us. And, uh, and here we are, uh, having uh, been able to, to be a part of going on eight years of ministry in 2016 as we move forward. Um, is really, really amazing. You know, uh, Dan mentions this a lot when we talk, and, and uh, I can't thank Faith Chapel enough for being willing uh, since its inception to pray for the University of New Mexico. Uh, been praying for over 40 years for the university, and let me be the first to say, and Jamie's going to share a whole lot uh, in the coming moments, but let me be the first to say that God is is going big at UNM, and uh, and He's not letting up the gas pedal. And I think uh, what the foundation that was laid by Faith Chapel is is a true testimony to what God is doing and what He will continue to do far after we're here, um, far after we're here. And so um, what what we want to celebrate today, of course, you know we've got some awards, and Jamie and I are are having the the humble opportunity to be ordained in into Foursquare, um, which is amazing. But I think uh, as far as celebration goes, I just want to tell you guys a couple of things that's that's happening that are of real merit, you know, um, and what what God is doing at the university. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, we had the opportunity to partner. And to really, as the mission, launch uh, Young Life College at UNM. And we, uh, you know, we prayed about it, thought about it, and, and we thought partnership makes the most sense in continuing to try to reach as many students as humanly possible. And so we were able to have our wonderful Sarah Worland, who's here today, um, come on staff through Young Life College. And she's done an amazing job of gathering leadership and and, uh, and really just um, placing people in key places um, just at UNM. And we've got a bunch of ladies represented here this morning. I don't know where our fellows are. We had a football game yesterday. Maybe they're still in bed. Who knows? But I uh, just want to say thanks. We've got our, our leaders here, Sarah and Bryn and Lauren and Krista and Sarai. Of course, they're leaders. They're all sitting on the same row. 
And then um, we, we, we call her Abby from Colorado, so that we can remember Abby from Colorado. And Mariah is here, and Mariah actually went to Hope Christian School, which is kind of cool that she's here today. Um, and, uh, and so thanks for being here, you guys. Thanks for sharing with us. But, uh, you know, Jamie and I know that, that what's going on at UNM is certainly not within our capacity. And so uh, we, we understand our capacity. And, uh, and so we just want to give the Lord glory for what he's doing. Here's what the pallets are all about. Um, I was asked this morning, are we, uh, we, do we have a construction zone going on back here? Um, no. Let me, <laughs> let, me, let me explain this just for a moment if I can. Um, so the last six years we've met in houses. We've, met, we've had two houses with the Mission and Young Life College in. Um, the house that we have been meeting in had been amazing for us. We serve students on a weekly basis, dinner, as you guys know. And uh, we, we kicked off our year this year really thinking, you know what, we should probably start looking for a new space because we feel pretty, pretty strongly that things are going to outgrow themselves. And, uh, and, you know, in campus ministry, this is just the trend, right? I, I'm, I'm no guru, but this is the trend. We've been doing it long enough is that the first event is awesome, and then students start doing homework, and things kind of do this, and, uh, and they'll come and, you know, sporadically, but what's happened this year with us is that it started here, and then it just went this way, which is awesome. Um, so when we had 82 students in the house uh, a couple of weeks ago, we thought, this is bad. Like, we've got one bathroom, two, two genders, not a good combination. And our, our neighbors were amazing with the parking situation. But nonetheless, long story short, we, we decided that we needed to new space. And Faith Chapel opened up its doors. And, um, and so what we did is we took a big leap of faith and we thought, you know what, God, you're in this. We've looked at a million spaces. Faith Chapel seems like home. And, uh, and so that's what we decided to do. Now, the pallets... Here's the deal. We understand that being good stewards of the facility that we're in, um, we didn't want to mess up the walls or anything. And, uh, and so what we as leadership, we call this creating space and making room. And so we want to create a space for students to walk into the doors, especially of a church, and, and really leave their preconceived notions about God at the door and outside. And so we want to create a space that maybe looks a little different. Um, maybe it doesn't look different. Maybe this is what college students think church should look like. You know, we don't know. But, but maybe it's a place that is, we're creating space for people to feel comfortable, creating space for people to develop relationships with one another. And here's the most important part. And here's what we, we, we say to our leaders all the time is that we're not asking you to bring a bunch of people to Tuesday night. What we're asking you to do is we're asking you to, to let Jesus do something in your heart and let you be you in front of as many people as humanly possible. And so when, when we focus on that as being a disciple of Jesus and, and then just living life with other people, then what we do is we make room for more friends. And so that's what we did when we moved here. We decided, hey, we're going to make some more room for more friends. And I, I'm blown away at what's, what's happened over the last couple of weeks. Our leaders just kick into action. We put these pallets up. There actually are a bunch more pallets than this. We pull everything out of that back section. We close everything off. We put up a bunch of signs. And we didn't want to mess the walls up, so we, we do pallets. And, um, but that's what that's about. So, 
you know, I just, uh, I have to say, God is doing some amazing things at UNM. You guys are a part of it, and we're appreciative of the partnership that we have with Young Life. We're appreciative of our leaders that, that show up every week willing to serve. And so I, uh, I want to turn it over to Jamie just to share with you guys from her heart. And uh, thank you, Faith Chapel, for all you do for us. Appreciate it. morning. It's such an honor to be here this morning. Thank you. Um, we really appreciate getting a chance to share just that, um, that God's really, really doing something in all of our hearts and all of our lives. And that's what's so exciting is that when, when we say, okay, not even a total yes, but okay, we're up for something. We don't know what. Um, it's incredible what God does um, in the process showing us that, that it's really about him and his kingdom. Amen. It's about what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, and um, he lets us be a part, which is a blessing, which is just a precious gift. So um, last, this semester, we've been talking about the fruits of the Spirit and um, about how Christ invades our lives, and he changes everything. He changes even the way that we live, the way that we understand who we are, and um, the stuff that comes of our lives in part of a relationship with Christ also changes others as they engage with us and they realize that we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Last semester, we talked about the Beatitudes, and um, I pulled a a few little snippets from that. I just want to share that with you this morning briefly um, about how when Christ um, collected everyone and or in the in the New Testament we find a collection of his teachings. We realize that Christ was very intentional about what he wants us to understand. He's very intentional about what he wants, how he wants us to see the world. Um, I title this this collection of our understandings um, from last semester a Christ-centered perspective of the world. That we would see the world the way that Christ sees it. That we would understand people the way that Jesus understands them. That we would love them and engage them the way that Jesus engages them. And then in turn, we are changed and we are transformed because we're part of something much bigger than ourselves. Um, I love how when Christ starts his whole, starts the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, he begins it um, gathering everyone and speaking honestly with them, with the, be starting with the Beatitudes. They're also called the Blesseds. Um, in some passages, the blessed, the collection of Christ's understand or Christ's explanation of what it is to be blessed, what it is to be known by Him, loved by Him, and used by Him. Oswald Chambers says that the Beatitudes, that short, concise passage, is not about a formula for a way that we should try to force our lives into. It's not these um, these lists of do's and don'ts. It's actually a snapshot of a life completely surrendered to Christ. It's what it looks like when we say yes to the Lord and he takes over everything and he changes all of it. Um, In Matthew 5, verse 1, it says, Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Jesus' disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, I imagine Jesus standing up, because I've been to this area in Israel, actually, where they think that this possibly happened. You go up on this mountain, and it looks much like the Sandias. So imagine Christ kind of going up into the foothills, gathering people to him, setting up this situation. A teacher, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, how Jesus sets this up. He gathers them to himself, and he says, I have something I want to share with you. I have something that you need to understand. And what he goes on to say is, I understand that you see the world this one way. But with Christ, it's actually much different. Being part of God's kingdom, we actually see that the world is more upside down and inside out. 
It's very different than what we thought. When we engage God and we let him change our heart, he changes our eyes, he changes our perspective, and it becomes centered around him and how he sees things and how he does things, and it changes the way we interact with everyone and everything. He's not just looking for us to get in the place of sin management, to, to abide by a, a list of tasks of do's and don'ts. He's wanting to change the very fiber of our being, the way we see things, our very filter that helps us understand who we are and how we relate to the world around us. The first one in Matthew, in Matthew 5, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor admit that they have need. And what I'm going to do is going to go for each one and just share a few little insights that we talked about on Tuesday night to kind of unpack it just a little bit in hopes that it can kind of take, take a new dimension in your heart and in my heart so that we can see that Christ is actually is giving us some incredible insights into the world. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor admit that they have need, and the poor make room in their lives for God. Jesus began the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, with the very premise of our salvation. I can't, God can. I am poor in spirit. I am in desperate need of something else, something more, something greater. Luke 5.31, Jesus, ter- Jesus turns to the religious leaders. They're challenging him, challenging him. And he said, it is not the healthy who need the doctor. It is the sick. I have come for the sick. And so I think so many times we get so much in the mode of, of being healthy that we don't realize that Christ wants us to admit that there are sicknesses in our lives, there are hurts, there are challenges, and that we need him, and there's things that only he can fix. I, think it's all, I know that it's also amazing that Christ doesn't use the wealthy, the powerful, the influential to change the world. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. My kingdom comes through the children, through the poor in spirit, through the needy, through the broken, through the hurting people. Christ's kingdom turns the rules upside down and inside out. He's not coming for a world domination. He's coming for changing hearts and lives one at a time. And it's in those broken spirits, those broken places that he comes and he, and stop, he brings his kingdom and he creates change. The next one says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are, of us, are all of us who are broken and we own it. Blessed are those of us who are hurting because when we own our hurts, we receive comfort. John 14, 8, Jesus says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Blessed are those who say, I hurt. Blessed are those who say, I can't quite figure out how to put this back together. Because Jesus says, I've come with comfort. And then what we have is this faith with grit, this faith with strength, this faith that says, I have been through very, very dark places, and Jesus came and found me there. And now, I have something to my faith. I have substance. I have a backbone. I have more to me than everything's fine, everything's okay. No, everything's not fine, everything's not okay, and I owned it. And in that, I found so much more that God had for me to understand who he was to me and to my life. Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who do not own and possess. Blessed are those who expect nothing, because they will be given everything. The world tells us to look out for ourselves, that go and take what you want. You must, you must grab it, take it, take hold of it, because you deserve it. That's what you deserve. As a person, as a human, you've got to go out and get it. But what Christ says is it's not about engaging the race for success and power and control and money. Christ says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Isaiah 53, 7 says, he was oppressed, talking about Jesus, and afflicted, Yet he did not open his mouth. 
He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Our example is Christ, and Christ was the most powerful human being, the most creative, beautiful, amazing being that ever existed in our understanding of reality, and yet in all truth he could have asserted that, and he didn't. He stepped back, and like a sheep to the slaughter was meek. That's our example. Our example is not what the world sees as leadership and power and money. Christ says those who are meek are the ones who are inheriting the earth. When you take on my attitude, my humble posture towards the world, you actually gain everything. But what's so amazing is when we're in it with Christ, we no longer want it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled We are so hungry. We have consumerism around us all the time. Consumerism develops a need in our hearts and our lives and tells us, if you have this thing, you will be happy. And so we go and get that thing, and we consume it, and we devour it, and we take it, and we realize, I am less happy than I was before. It's this vicious cycle that they absolutely play on, and they make money on. They, who's they? The people. (laughs) The, the people the, The people with the plan the marketing, the attempts to get us thinking about anything and everything but the Lord. That consumerism, if I can consume, if I can take, if I can take it into myself and hold it, then I will be satisfied. But Christ says, blessed are those who are actually not hungry for the things of this world. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They are the only ones who will truly be satisfied. The only way that we will ever be satisfied, the only way that our thirst will be satiated, our hunger will be met, is to long for Christ and the things of God. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Jesus tells us that we must first show the mercy, and in that we are also shown mercy in the return. I think, I think there is such a huge, massive need for this in our world. We need to show mercy. If the church doesn't bring mercy that's Christ-centered, what hope do we have? Christ Christ enables us to be exceedingly merciful. Being nice is okay in our culture. Being nice, we're comfortable. She's nice, he's nice, that looks nice, it's nice, it's nice. But mercy is uncomfortable. Mercy is uncomfortable for the giver and the taker because it's excessive. It's a lot. It's more than what we're comfortable with often because it's saying, I would rather take a role in your life that says God loves you and he hears you and he cares for you than take the role of judgment and pointing things out and trying to take control of people. It also allows us to accept mercy, and that's very humbling. I need mercy. I need your mercy We need one another's mercy in order to be in a healthy relationship with one another and with the Lord. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Imagine us as ambassadors of mercy to this world, that we are the representation of true and absolute and Christ-centered mercy, that others would see us and be known and loved and realized, I have been shown mercy, and they in turn can give mercy. Blessed are the pure and heartful, they will see God. God is working around us all the time, every moment of the day, and the pure in heart see it. The pure in heart will see it and will know it and will understand how and who and what God is doing. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. 
Jesus said, blessed are those who don't just speak peace, but they make peace. These peacemakers are the heirs of the eternal God. The world says peace, but instead they make war. Peace, in John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Peace is not the absence of fear, but peace is the presence of healthy communication, self-control, it's health, it's healing, it's wholeness. It's the presence of Christ in our lives. When we enter a situation, we bring peace. When we enter a relationship, we bring peace. When we start speaking and we, in a conversation, we bring peace as Christ's ambassadors of peace. There's a beautiful song uh, written by the Brilliance that says, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every mouth that speaks my name, Christ in every ear that hears my voice. If we would truly own that, that Christ is a part of everything that we are, and that we get to be a part of his kingdom, then we become these ambassadors for change. Then we engage the world and we change it. I'll finish with this. At the very end, at the last beatitude, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and fa- falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If I could be honest, I wish the Beatitudes ended with, and you'll have lots of money and be very successful and everything will work out. <laughs> because in my, in, my na- in my own human nature, that's what I want. I want God and. I want to love God and I want to be successful. Can I be honest? I want to have Jesus, have this awesome relationship with him, and I want everyone to like me <laughs> and, and, to make, and to have stuff. I want both and. But Jesus ends this collection of the blesseds with, Blessed are you when you do what I ask, and you become like me, and you face all types of hatred for it. Blessed are you when people don't understand you and fight you when all you have is love and peace and hope and joy to bring to them. Blessed are you when you get to add your name to the long list of those who came before you, who were suffered and who were mistreated. Blessed are you when you do what is right and you are wronged because we're a part of this great kingdom where God says, you thought the world looked this way, but it actually doesn't. Christ-centered perspective said, blessed are the poor, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are these other ways of being that I connect to and that I use to bring my kingdom and change the world. Christ, longs, Christ wants to change the world through us, through the church, through the ministry, through all these different avenues that he has. But we have to be willing to be poor in spirit, to be broken, to be merciful, to hunger and thirst for God. Because in those amazing, beautiful, broken places, Christ's kingdom comes. And in our weakness, he's made strong. And we realize, as John, as John the Baptist says, I decrease and Christ increases. That we would have hearts that, are willingly, that willingly decrease so that Christ might increase in his glory and his love and his protection would take over us. I am, um, in part of my research, I look at uh, how literacy and how art works together. I pulled a piece of um, explanation of what's called artistic perspective. And if you would, the last little moment, just imagine yourself creating a painting of your life right now. What is it? What does it look like? How is it, 
How are you working with the colors and the different textures of your life to create a painting of how your life is? Some of you may have God right in the center. Some of you may not. But just honestly realizing what that painting is of your life. And as you imagine that, I want to read this passage from um, an art research book about how uh, one painter talking to another. Okay, if you want to close your eyes, if you want to look up at the pretty windows, whatever, in order to really hear this, because it's talking about art, but I feel like there is another whole richer level of a metaphor of what Christ is doing in our lives. It says, perspective is an art technique for creating an illusion of three dimensions, of depth and of space on a two-dimensional or a flat surface. Perspective is what makes a painting seem to have form and distance. It's what makes it look real. The same rules of perspective apply to all subjects, whether it's a landscape, a seascape, a still life, an interior scene, a portrait, a figure painting. The system uses straight lines to plot or figure out where things must go. Think of it as light traveling in straight lines. Perspective is possibly the most feared aspect of learning how to paint. The mere word perspective makes many a hand tremor, but it's not the basic rules of perspective that are hard. It's the consistent applying of the rules to every bit of a painting that's so hard. You need to have patience to check the perspective as the painting progresses. And you must take time to fix it. The good news is that learning perspective is like learning how to mix colors. Initially, you have to think about it all the time. But with practice, it becomes increasingly instinctive that we would increasingly become instinctive about having a Christ-centered perspective as the Lord works through us and in us and around us. Let's pray. Can we pray and then, and then have our time? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for um, giving us this amazing collection of, uh, of the Beatitudes in which we can see that, that, Jesus, you have a very different way of seeing the world. Thank you so much for uh, your love and your grace. We surrender our perspectives to you. Overwhelm us with your love and your grace that we might be transformed in the way that we see the world and that we might be agents of transformation in the world of the people around us. Father God, change our perspectives. We love you so much and we praise you and thank you for your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.